back to our Making History Parenting Podcast. My name is Chase Baker, and with me, co-host Jennifer Akers. Hi, I'm so glad to be here. It's awesome. And what you know from our podcast is we want to help make God's story come alive mm-hmm. in the hearts of our families. And this particular uh, podcast series has been so good. We're in season three, but we're about to make a shift over the next right. four weeks. Um, and we decided to do something really different. And I'm really excited about yeah, it. So, so this is, uh, we're taking a look at biblical families throughout scripture. And what we know is that not all the parents in scripture are perfect, but I, we believe that as we look into these specific biblical families that they're they're modern day examples for us that we can pull those truths and apply them to to where we are today so we're really excited about it so we're going to take a look at four different families throughout scripture and and really apply it to where we are today yeah so we know that looking at these characters and looking at these narratives there's application for us in some way so that's really going to be just the goal to, to, to glean from the word of God. What can we learn from these different families? And yes. today we're going to have Nick joining with us. He's going to actually be with us throughout this series and kind of be our biblical expert. So Nick Allen is our Nashville campus pastor, and we're so glad that he's joining us. He just brings so much wisdom, so much. Um, he's He has kind of a passion for this background. When you look at a story yep. in the Bible, you want to know where did all those people come from and what was it like in that time? He's so, so smart. He's so smart. Yeah. So we're so excited to have him join us, um, and we're really excited about this series. Let's So let's go. jump in. So we're here with Nick Allen. He's our Nashville campus pastor, and you're going to be hearing a lot from him over the next few episodes as we take a look at biblical families and, mm-hmm. and what that means for modern-day parenting. And we're going to take a look at a, a few parents that are just not the norm, right? Not Not mm-hmm. like... The ideal, and what we found, you're not going to find any perfect parents in the Bible. Mm-hmm. <laughs> There's just not that many, and so we're going to take a look at these these different types of parents and really break down the scripture, and and see how that applies to us today. So, Nick, welcome. Hey, thanks for having me. Yeah, it's gonna be, be awesome. So, so glad you're here. Yes. <laughs> We'll see if it uh, works. We try. See if it works. We'll try not to be awkward great. in the middle of this podcast, and we're just going to give it a shot. And what we know is that our heart's desire is that we believe God's Word is living and active, and we want to just jump into God's Word over the next few weeks. And it's different than what we've done in the past, but I think it's going to be rich. I think it's going to be deep. So prepare yeah. for this journey. It's going to be awesome. So yeah. we're going to start with Hagar and Ishmael. You ready? Uh, yeah. All right. Yeah. So Nick is really our resident uh, Bible scholar. Yes. That's what we... This is not true at all. I'm the only one you could find. How many, <laughs> asks, how many asks did you make before I you're said the, yes? You're, you're the, the first one. one. No. You're the one. You're the only one. So we're going to take a look at this passage of scripture um, with these two people, Hagar and Ishmael, and we're going to break down the characters. Mm-hmm. Um, know that there are, there's backstory to this. There's a lot of depth to this. Um, and so we're going to start with that. Hagar is um, the servant of Abraham and Sarai at this time, or Abram and Sarai. If you go back, it says God gave this covenant to Abram. So I want to make you into a great nation, uh-huh. and it's you know, it's gonna be big time. So as you have a lot of kids, well, here's the problem: Sarah, Sarai couldn't have children; she and, was barren and old, yeah, and, and mm-hmm. old, and and so um, so that's kind of where we are at this point in time. So 
Jennifer is going to be our resident Bible reader because yeah. they voted me out as reading the Bible because of my, <laughs> my voice. No. Um, it's not great. So. Not at all. You have a great voice. I just, just love to read. There you go. I love to read. Okay, so we are looking in Genesis for this, um, if you want to kind of follow along while we're talking today. And we are starting in chapter 16, right? Yep. Yes. And so we're chapter looking 16. at Hagar and Ishmael. So we're going to start it um, right there. So we have... Now, Sarai, and I'm going to start stop right there because we were just talking before we started this podcast. That name right there is not one that we see all the time today. So, Nick, help us out. Is that oh, is that is, correct? Yeah, you're pronouncing it correctly. I have a um, a Bible pronunciation app um, that you can look up any name in Scripture, and it will literally pronounce the name of the person for you. And so, I've got this one pulled up. Sarai. Yay. Sarai, you're doing Sarai. great. I tell my kid, this is like um, Siri's cousin. He's a pastor, and um, he just he knows a lot of words, and <laughs> so he and so tells you how to say them. Some people have Angry Birds. I have a Bible pronunciation app. I love it. <laughs> it's I love it. I so it's perfect. Yeah. So if we need help throughout this, we've got Siri's cousin right there. Yeah, pastor. Got it. I love got it. it. Okay. So now Sarai, Abram's wife, had borne him no children, but she had an Egyptian slave named Hagar. So she said to Abram, the Lord has kept me from having children. Go sleep with my slave. Perhaps I can build a family through her. Can I just pause right there (laughs) and just say, first of all, um, how did they get this Egyptian slave? Uh, Years and years before, God had called Abram to do to really the unthinkable. I mean, how many yeah. people live near all of their extended family down the street from their grandmother, grandpa? I mean, some people in rural parts of the country, but yep. everybody else moves. Mm-hmm. Um, well, back then nobody did, and so it was this really strange call on his life to take his, you know, wife and his um, property and and move away from his dad. Yep. And so they left um, Ur, the land of the Chaldeans, Babylonian Empire, kind of precursor, moved to another Haran, and then they left his family, and so and just continued to head south towards what would become the promised land. Um, and God said, you know, open your eyes, look at all these fields. This all belongs to you. Give some to his nephew Lot. And that's a whole other backstory and a whole different type of parenting that you probably don't want to talk about today. Um, that would need a disclaimer. But the the whole deal is in the middle of that, they saw the promised land, but because of famine and because of challenges that were present in the day and the people that already lived there, they made their way to Egypt. Yep. Um, and they continued to acquire. God continued to bless along the way. One of those opportunities was this this maidservant um, named Hagar, who now is part of the family. So they got this, all this stuff. They gave him cattle. I mean, he got a lot of stuff. Oh, yeah. And then they left here and went back. Back to mm-hmm. that promised land. Back yeah. Okay, there we go. Yeah. Okay, so Abram agreed to what Sarai said. So after Abram had been living in Canaan 10 years, Sarai, his wife, took her Egyptian slave Hagar and gave her to her husband to be his wife. He slept with Hagar and she conceived. Do you want to pause okay, and talk here's about what's, that? Here's yeah. what's really weird. Okay. Are you going to tell us where babies come from? Yeah. Yes. <laughs> go ahead. No, I'm not going to do that either. It's a different podcast. That's it's also a different, a different podcast. Yeah, yeah go ahead. No, I, I was going to say, we we kind of give Sarah a hard time. Uh-huh. And, and, you know, some of us are like, well, why in the world would she have Abram sleep with the maid in order to create this, what God had promised? I mean, yeah. and then we give her a hard time. And in the moment I'm thinking, well, I mean, she's doing what she knew. She thought she was barren. She couldn't have any kids. So she's like, okay, I'm going to figure this out. So there's the maid servant. And so if she can have kids, then I'm going to manufacture this situation and I want to manufacture a miracle. We talk about it. Right. And there to this point, they haven't seen that we know of. They haven't seen really miracles happen. The last thing was Noah 
and that was 422 years before this moment. So, so that's you know, Sam. And we're now more than a decade that God had made this promise and this covenant with Abram, her husband. And um, I think there's another kind of side comment to this, and I think this this idea is present today, and we certainly want to be sensitive to women who are experiencing anything like this. Infertility is is still a problem, mm-hmm. and. In this day and in, in this culture and in this community, uh, women would have blamed themselves for infertility, um, and it would have been a mark of a curse in your life if you couldn't conceive, and you would have bore the shame about that, um, and you would have also attached it to sin in your life. And so, mm-hmm. you know, we do give Sarai a, a bad rap for lack of faith and taking matters into her own hands, um, but how I mean, I've done that. I've, I've literally taken matters into my own hands. I've looked at the promises of God and the instructions of God and thought, okay, great, God, I'll take it from here. And and that never ends well, um, and it obviously didn't in this situation either. Um, but we do that, and we can relate to it, those moments where you feel like God has a plan, God has a purpose, God has a promise. If he delays, it's my fault. I need to step in and do something. Um, and so I can, I can relate to her at this mm-hmm. point. Yeah. So when she knew she was pregnant, she began to despise her mistress. And we're talking about Hagar, just backing up. So she began to despise Sarai. Then Sarai said to Abram, you are responsible for the wrong I am suffering. I put my slave in your arms. And now that she knows she is pregnant, she despises me. May the Lord judge between you and me. Your slave is in your hands, Abram said. Do with her whatever you think best. Then Sarai mistreated Hagar. So she fled from her. Yeah. And that's, (laughs) I I don't know if you guys are like this. I just relate to every single character in the story differently. And that's that's not always the best case. Like we're not supposed to just immediately insert ourselves into the story, but really to take the narratives for what they are. Um, but I get it. I run from problems. Yeah. You know, flight, fight, it's real. Um, and so you can see her thinking in this moment, I mean, this is this is my problem and this is my present. I've got to run from this. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think we do that. And I think we teach our kids to do that. Um, to run from your problems and to run from the things that are challenging, and uh, and so there's there's certainly a, a moment there where parents can relate to what's going on with this soon-to-be mom. Mm-hmm. The angel of the Lord found Hagar near a spring in the desert. It was the spring that is beside the road to Shur, and he said, "Hagar, slave of Sarai, where have you come from, and where are you going?" "I'm running away from my mistress, Sarai," she answered. Then the angel of the Lord told her. Go back to your mistress and submit to her. The angel added, I will increase your descendants so much that they will be too numerous to count. The angel of the Lord also said to her, You are now pregnant, and you will give birth to a son. You shall name him Ishmael, for the Lord has heard of your misery. He will be a wild donkey of a man. (laughs) I was waiting for you to read that verse. (laughs) That's the best part. His hand will be against everyone and everyone's hand against him, and he will live with hostility toward all his brothers. So what are we talking about there with the wild donkey? (laughs) I I think, I mean, historically, we're talking about the fact that Ishmael was the father of the Arab nation. Mm -hmm. And you don't have to look past the news to know that there's always been conflict and there's always been discourse. And so that's certainly it. I just love the fact that he's called a wild donkey. Wild donkey. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) Obviously, there's something about his personality that I think relates to now, uh, strong-willed children a hundred percent isn't it what do you do with your strong-willed child Mm -hmm. and you know aren't you terrified every time you take your kids somewhere that the the the, the note that comes home is going to be that they were (laughs) misbehaving and really disrespectful and really causing problems they were wild wild donkeys your children are wild donkeys yes like elementary school teachers don't write that down but they probably think it yeah (laughs) yeah right right. yeah i look (laughs) at that but you think about the strong-willed children at this point and she got the precursor this child that's inside of you is going to Mm -hmm. be 
she knew going to be a troublemaker. Yep. Yeah. And uh, and we can raise our proverbial hands and know that we've we've done our fair share of contribution in that moment. With kids, are, kids are hard. Mm-hmm. It is not an easy job to raise them. And so, yeah, we've we've had those moments. Mm-hmm. Yep. So verse 13, she gave this name to the Lord who spoke to her. You are the God who sees me. For she said, I have now seen the one who sees me. Love that. Yeah. You're the God who sees me. Why mm-hmm. is that so significant? Oh, gosh. I mean, we'll, we'll get there. And not to jump ahead too much as we go to the next part of her story mm-hmm. and Ishmael's story. Um, it is. It just matters that we know that God sees us right where we are, mm-hmm. um, that our our journeys are never removed from him being able to know exactly where we're at. And I think this, the word sees here isn't just observes, it's also understands. God gets it. And I think if we're sitting here in our own parenting journey, whether you're raising a strong-willed child, whether you're raising a disabled child or differently abled child, regardless of what's going on, God sees it. And not only does he see it, but he understands it. And we want that. I want to know that God understands where I'm at and where I'm coming from. This is such an unorthodox story, too. And the fact that you get down to this point, verse 13, at this point, you're like, this is crazy. This is wacko. I mean, what? how in the world does this happen to this? Were they... Did they? I don't know what what's going on. But then it gets to the point of verse thirteen. You're the God who sees me. Uh-huh. No matter what your story is, mm-hmm. no matter what yeah. mess you may find yourself in, that God sees you. Yeah. I think mm-hmm. that's so 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 good. I think it's so real. I think it's so um, good for us to remind ourselves as parents, no matter what age and stage of life we may find ourselves, no matter how we got to this point right now, that God's writing our story and He sees us. And he understands. And he understands. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think, I mean, and you you don't have to, I mean, we're in Genesis, but there's so much grace. There's so much mercy. There's so much provision. Um, we put a lot of pressure on ourselves to try to digest all the historical background and all the covenant theology that's coming out of the Old Testament. But it's the same stuff that we get in the New. There is a God of grace. There mm-hmm. is a God of mercy. There is a God who's writing a better story. And we are invited to be a part of that. And mm-hmm. so this is... Yeah, this is a beautiful passage, yeah. and we we don't we don't give Hagar enough credence or credit or enough focus um, to say in this moment, hey, this is this is a good story. We can lean into this. Yeah. So can we jump so ahead? I think to we're another jumping passage? ahead. Yeah, let's jump okay. ahead. So let's jump to chapter twenty-one now. Just mm-hmm. skipping a few chapters, and we're going to look at starting at verse eight, right? Yeah. So let's start right there. The child grew and was weaned, and on the day Isaac was weaned, Abraham held a great feast. But and you want to talk about their names, right? There. So oh, yeah. now we have their Abraham, names are changed, right? Change names as a part of the the revisiting of the covenant promise. Mm-hmm. Um, God told Abram that his name would no longer be Abram, but that it would be Abraham. Mm-hmm. Um, and Sarai became Sarah. Sarah. Thankfully, because you know we we know that name better. Sarah, oh, it's, so it's much a great more name. Familiar. It's easier to say. <laughs> I, mean, I love it. Yeah, it's a great name. And the child they're talking about is obviously Isaac, mm-hmm. that was born to them in their crazy old age, mm-hmm. and so. Abram was 86 when he had uh, Ishmael. Could you imagine? 86 years old? Yeah, and having a child at 86. I felt like 36 was old. (laughs) I did. I felt like, oh gosh, how am I going to do this all over again? 38 has been old, I feel like. (laughs) I mean, we have a 10-month-old, so we're in 86. 86. There you go. And then 100 when Isaac came. And so... That right there is mind-blowing. Yeah. Um, and that's also a big spread between your sons. Yes. Um, my, my little boy, Simon, he's uh, his whole life he's asked for a little brother. He's our youngest, and uh, 
his, every birthday, every Christmas, he's like, every prayer request is always that I could get a little brother. And he's nine now. And I think, well, buddy, if you got a little brother, he wouldn't be so much fun to play with now. You know, he doesn't quite right, understand right. that still, but it's, this is a big age man. So yeah. 14 years between these boys. Yeah. Wow. So. So, but Sarah saw that the son whom Hagar the Egyptian had born, so we're talking about Ishmael, to mm-hmm. Abraham was mocking. And she said to Abraham, get rid of that slave woman and her son, for that woman's son will never share Ooh. in the inheritance with my son, Isaac. Mm. And this is a, there's modern day application here. Yeah. Because um, as weird as it is, I mean, clearly the Bible is not recommending that we go out and have extramarital sex in order to produce children. And that's not, that's not what scripture is saying. That's not what we're talking about here. It's not, <laughs> not on this podcast. Yeah. Um, but this is in essence kind of a blended family. Yeah. Um, and we know a ton of blended families. We know blended families that are thriving and co-parenting so incredibly well. They could write Which a book on it. Which we have a great it. podcast, by the way. We do. It already yep. released. It's in... about blended families. Yes. Yep. And that, there's so much to be learned from people who have already navigated those kind of storms. And, you get a, a, a mom, dad, couple of kids, family that that don't have the the ex husbands or the ex wives and the kids from a previous marriage. Mm-hmm. There's always challenges, but the challenges are different. If you're a blended family, you recognize and know that you're facing a different set of challenges, a different set of schedules, a different set of finances, the whole nine yards. And so, you're looking at this blended family and going, "Hey, there's challenges." Right here in Genesis, we get the first blended family, and there's some difficulty. And, uh, and so we just want to kind of nod and recognize it. There's there's jealousy. There's mm-hmm. uh, attention. There's so much to consider. Um, and that's what you're about to read with yep. Abraham going so on So because of that tension, we yeah. jump into verse 11 and we see, the matter distressed Abraham greatly because it concerned his son. But God said to him, do not be so distressed about the boy and your slave woman. Listen to whatever Sarah tells you, because it is through Isaac that your offspring will be reckoned. I will make the son of the slave into a nation also, because he is your offspring. There's a, I think with Abraham, you can just look at the tension that he was in. And I think there, there's some dads out there, some stepdads out there, some um, that they are walking through that very thing. And I think we can just, I mean, maybe pause for a commercial and say that, um, if you don't know already, Rolling Hills is really blessed to have Kathy Kuhn as our counseling ministry director. And uh, if there's any sort of that life cycle of a family that you're walking through or any kind of tension that you're experiencing, um, do reach out. Do let this be a place that can kind of point in that right direction. Allow her and this ministry to be part of exactly what God said to Abraham. Hey, let's let's help you carry your stress and, and see that there's blessings that can come from this, mm-hmm. which is a good thing. Yeah. So then we're at verse 14 and we see early the next morning, right after this distress that Abraham's going through, early the next morning, Abraham took some food and a skin of water and gave them to Hagar. He set them on her shoulders and then sent her off with the boy. She went on her way and wandered in the desert of Beersheba. There's a, um, we can connect back to chapter 16, I think at this point. Um, yeah. in, in chapter 16, she fled because of the stress. And now in chapter 21, she's pushed out because yeah. of the problem. Um, and this in 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 the ancient world, whether it's you know some kind of I mean we know that these legal codes existed you know before the law of Moses Hammurabi Hammurabi am I saying that right Newsy um, there are these basically these these ways to live like it would have been frowned upon it would have been um, something that you didn't do maybe even illegal at this point for him to dismiss the slave and her child this servant girl and her little boy. Um, and so the tension that he felt, obviously he loves his son, but then obviously also 
it's it's culturally unacceptable. He should have kept her and the whole you know family clan. Um, but God says, "Hey, this is going to be okay." And so, um, you know, there's a there's a moment where even Abraham is invited to trust and say, "God's got this. Mm-hmm. God's got this. He's writing a bigger story." And we, as parents, have to walk through and wrestle with that for sure too. Um, but there's a juxtaposition, and, and we'll we'll get to it about how important it is to see in both of those circumstances. We do it. I mean, we run from our problems, and yep. we also feel pushed and marginalized because of our problems all the time. Um, as people and also parents, and um, there's God's response in both of these circumstances we'll see is the same. Mm-hmm. So Hagar and Ishmael are wandering in the desert of Beersheba, and we look at verse 15. When the water in the skin was gone, she put the boy under one of the bushes. Then she went off and sat down about a bow shot away. Nick, what is a bow shot? It depends on who the archer is. My bow shot, like I'm a city kid, my bow shot would be like high five distance from me to you right now. Like we could just six feet maybe. Not, not too That's far. That's COVID friendly, six feet. Yeah. Um, bow shot for Chase would be like the field next door. Yeah. Like I, you're, you were my you're somebody who could do it. My bow is not very pleasant. I remember, you know what a crossbow is? And yeah, we'll just pretend that we like you keep going. You keep going. It's kind of like a gun. We're going to follow it's you. It's like a bow that attached to a gun. I bet they didn't have those back then. Probably not. Probably not. But my experience almost took off my thumb with one of those things. So I'm not very, I'm not very good. I just, I think it's a distance. I think it's a long distance. I think these people back then, they're hunting, fishing, cooking. I I think they can get that arrow to go pretty far. And so if the Bible says bow shot, I'm just, let's just theologically agree that it's a long distance. Okay. Pretty good way. So she sat down about a bow shot away, long distance away, for she thought, I cannot watch the boy die. And as she sat there, she began to sob. So God heard the boy crying, and the angel of God called to Hagar from heaven and said to her, What is the matter, Hagar? Do not be afraid. God has heard the boy crying as he lies there. Lift the boy up and take him by the hand, for I will make him into a great nation. This is a kind of like, there's there's a lot to unpack here. Um, if we want to sit back and modern day application this and try to figure out who's relating to the story. I mean, this is obviously a single parent, I mean, at this moment, and she's, we think a lot about single parents. We think a lot about the additional challenges that are present. And here she is just wanting to provide for her child um, and realizes that she doesn't have everything she needs. And I think that is, you know, that's a call for the church really mm-hmm. to rise up and to obviously, and we, and we know that that's our call. We know that that's the expectation. We know that that's part of the promise to, to be those things for families that are in distress, but we can relate to that. You know, whether you are, you have a sick child or a, a struggling child in any kind of way, I think you can resonate to yourself. I can't watch my boy die. Yeah. yeah. And I think even in the context of, of reading through these passages, reading through all these parents in the Bible, we also see the characteristics of God. Mm-hmm. Uh, I love seeing this characteristic of God because I think it's gentle. I think he's he's seeing it, seeing her and he's saying, what's the matter, Hagar? Hagar, Hagar, that's my southern accent, Hagar. That, but, he's, but he's so gentle and I think he's so generous um, and merciful. And he said, do not be afraid. Yeah. And he heard the boy crying. Like, I love that, that, throughout the storyline of the Bible, we see the characteristics of God really showing up and what he really wants for us um, and from us. So, yeah. yeah, there's that, the moment in 16 was, this is the God who sees me. Mm-hmm. And then he comes around in 21 and says, I also hear you. Mm-hmm. And like God sees us and he understands and then he hears and he responds. Um, this, this idea of God hearing or us hearing from God 
is incredibly important. I mean, it's pictured throughout the Old Testament. The most important word in all of the Hebrew scriptures is Shema, and it means hear. Hear, O Israel, listen up. This is who your God is. Um, And this part of the passage of scripture, literally the the same word, it's God hears you. Um, And I think we all want to know that God hears us in our moments of distress. He hears us when we cry out. He hears us when we don't know how to take care of the problems at hand. And as a mom or a dad, anybody can resonate with this. You don't want to watch your kids struggle. Um, And I think you talk to a parent who's walked through any kind of chronic illness with a child, and they will say, I wish it was me and not them. Mm -hmm. I just wish I could take this away. Um, You talk about a a child that's had their heart broken, you know, an adult child that's had their heart broken. All the parent wants to do is take away the pain. Um, And when you realize you can't, um, you, you, you just can't even bear to look at what the outcome might be. There's parents out there that we know specifically we love and we pray for who have walked really difficult journeys with, with prodigal kids, kids who have abandoned faith and abandoned wisdom, and they're making choices that are agonizing. And as a parent, you just can't bear to watch. Um, whether it's a physical struggle or a spiritual one, it's hard as a parent to see that happen. Mm-hmm. And God intervenes and says, I hear you. And I love the part where he says, lift up the boy and take him by the hand. I'm like, wait a minute. He's a bojo. He's far away. I got to go back to the problem. That was what he did in 16. He Mm -hmm. tells her, hey, you've run away from Sarah. I want you to go right back to her. And in this moment, you've you've run away from where Ishmael is. I want you to go right back to it. Um, Put your hands on it. I think that's, he wants us to be hands on, Mm -hmm. um, hands on parents, um, hands on with our problems. He wants to be engaged. We didn't talk about this aspect. We're talking about uh, Hagar, but what about Ishmael? Like, what is he thinking about all this this situation? Because you said he's probably 14. Well, he was 14 when Isaac was born. I think we can look at the timeline of, like, weaning in the ancient days. Like, I don't – let's not talk about nursing, like, and how long a mother (laughs) nurses her young today. Like, But back then it was probably longer. So I I think we can assume that Isaac was maybe three to four years old weaning. And so – I mean, Ishmael could be anywhere from 15 to 18 years old right. at this point. He's a young man. He's a yes. young man. Um, and yet his Lift mother is still passionately caring for him. Yeah. And that's it. Our job is not done. You know, it's we talk done. about that. Mm-hmm. It's not done. Yeah. And that's what we get at a lot of times, even in ministry, that um, what we've seen historically, it's not neither here nor there, but with kids' ministry and preschool ministry, we see heavily invested. We hear from parents. We see parents when they get to middle school, high school. It's like it's now it's time to – it's not a bad thing, but but you're trying to give them independence, but drop off. We really don't hear from parents. I could talk to um, the average uh, small group leader and say, well, have you ever talked to her, their parents? They'll probably answer is probably not. Mm-hmm. No. Um but that's not to say that's a bad thing or a good thing. It's just at that point, this is just a reminder for us to say, we've got to lean in. Mm-hmm. I feel like even more whenever you get to your middle school, high school years, because of what oh, they're yeah. going through, they're going through so much. Did but we I, already talk about the idea of, we know what this is, the idea of helicopter parenting. Yes. And we, we obviously, we know the idea of lawnmower parenting. I'm going to mow down anything yeah, that's yeah, in yeah, my yeah. kid's way. There's somebody some in some day is going to write down something about virtual parenting, mm-hmm. just the completely hands-off, outsourced mm-hmm. kind of I'm not hands-on. And this was an invitation. You don't run from your problems. You address it head yeah. on. And you do that with the God who loves you, sees you, and hears you, um, that he's right there. And that's a, a great comfort to us. I think sometimes we as parents think that we've got to do it all alone. We've got to figure it out all by ourselves, that we're expected to be 
um, the nurse and the teacher and the disciplinarian and all those other things wrapped up into one. Um, but God knows our kids better than we do. Mm. He He knows his purpose for them better than we do. Um, God sees them and hears them better than we do. And so really just releasing and saying God's got this is probably the ultimate lesson of parenting that we can dive into in this moment. Mm-hmm. And I love that you said in 16, we see God see and understand mm-hmm. Hagar. And then we we fast forward to chapter 21 and we see God hear and respond. There's and so a, yeah. we see him respond in this moment. You know, we don't, Ishmael, she doesn't think Ishmael is going to survive. And everyone is crying. This is a really awful moment. And then we look at verse 19. And then God opened her eyes and she saw a well of water. So she went and filled the skin with water and gave the boy a drink. God was with the boys. He grew up. He lived in the desert, and I love this. Became an archer. We talked about. Yeah, I bet he was a really good bowman. Archer. Well, that's the, but he saved them. Yeah, and and sixteen. It's so cool because when when God addressed her and she had run away, she was near a spring, mm. and and then now that she's well. out here crying, God opens her eyes to see a well that was already there. It was already there. It was already there. He just yeah. opened her eyes so that she could see it. Yeah. Um. That's the. Uh, you can jump ahead to New Testament. Jesus spoke in parables, and his disciples asked him, "Why? Why do you speak in parables?" And can I? Is it okay in mm-hmm. an Old Testament passage to go to Matthew for a second? Yes. He absolutely. says in Matthew thirteen, "This is why I speak to them in parables. Um, though seeing they do not see, though hearing they do not hear or understand." Um, and then it fulfills part of the prophecy of Isaiah, and it talks about the people's hearts and that they'd become calloused, and they literally refused to listen and refused to see what God was doing. Um, but in sixteen, he said. Blessed are your eyes because they see and your ears because they hear. Mm-hmm. It's it's both. And I think the only way we're able to see what God is doing um, and hear and respond to what God is doing is because we know that he's the God who first sees us. He's the God who first hears us. He's the God who first loved us. And so that's that's painted for us through the Hagar story. Hagar mm-hmm. story. That's good. And whenever she she went and filled the skin with water, and gave the boy a drink. I know we use this illustration all the time. I feel like is this whenever you're on an airplane, yeah. you know, you where do you put the you put the mask on yourself first so you can be able to assist um, your child mm-hmm. in that. I feel like this is God speaking to her, God doing a work in her life so that she could provide some comfort, some provision for her her son. This was a, a physical and a spiritual moment because mm-hmm. obviously the physical provision was there. He needed water, mm-hmm. um, but the spiritual provision was right there. What Jennifer read in verse 20, he, he, God was with the boy as he grew up. Mm. And, uh, and that's the fulfillment of the promise. You know, God made a promise. Here's a covenant. This son too is going to be the father of a great nation. Um, and all human history aside and all the difficulty that we have with that part of the world aside, you see God fulfilling his promises. And in that, he's creating a purpose. And so we know that even that has has legs that we can lean into. So good. All right. So we're wrapping up. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So let's do this to close this out. We're going to do this each week. Is it, what are the big ideas? What what are the takeaways that we can share today? Um, God sees and hears. Um, and he absolutely knows you and your kids better than you do. Um, and he does want us to be hands-on. You know, mm. when we run, he's going to call us to go right back. And, um, what I love about that in is moments. God only knows your kids better than you do. God knows you better than you do. Absolutely. You. Absolutely. I love that. So that's awesome. Well, this is the first of many podcasts to come. We hope only you if did. it works, only if it works, give us some good <laughs> feedback, uh, hit the like button or give us some stars, <laughs> preferably five stars. Five is that even a thing we can get? Yeah. yeah, yeah. That's cool. So, so, but, uh, but yeah, we're grateful to have this conversation mm-hmm. as we continue to dive into different 
uh, biblical families within the context of the Bible. So thank you, Nick, for being here. Hey, thank you. It was fun. Thank you. Yeah. Love it. Thanks, guys.